Welcome to Just Winging It. Woo-hoo. Yeah! Yeah, we're here. We're energized. Book. We're ready. We're Well, we're not energized, but we are waterlogged yeah. because this is I like, got caught in a rainstorm. This wind me up, Scotty! <laughs> Uh, I'm uh, I'm literally soaking wet still. And uh, I'm John Abdullah. <laughs> oh, well played. Um, y- y- listeners can't see me, right? Well, I mean, if you can, then uh, where the fuck are you? Um, but but yeah. John, John can attest that I'm I'm soaking He's wet. He's basically just a, a puddle. Yeah, I'm sitting a puddle, in a chair, which I am to be clear, you know, all the time. Yeah, and also just physically, I feel like a puddle sitting in a chair because I'm still sick. You but still, I'm not as sick as Patrick I was Patrick Green last week. is still sick. I am. Yeah. That's thank you. You always slip my name in there. I really appreciate <laughs> it. Because you know I would never get that. All the new fans, all the new winglets, you know, <laughs> you got to introduce the yourself. legions of, hey, a, a relatively new winglet I want to give a shout out to is Peter from the Midwest. All right, Pete from is, the Midwest. Uh, he's a, a good friend of mine who I know from the other shows that I'm on, uh, and he is a, uh, a lawyer who drives for thousands of hours a day somehow. oh wow so he, i'm glad he we can accompany you gets through a lot drives. of podcasts and thank you for representing the midwest you're probably our yeah. only uh, midwest listener yeah you might be um, <laughs> you're peter, like our uh, regional ambassador to the midwest exactly would you like that title peter because you've got it if you do you do you, you are a skateboarding attorney father yeah. of twins and also oh, man, our regional of twins uh, you ambassador. could teach us some stuff yeah seriously Wow. Um, and uh, also big up to Darren, our friend, who wrote in with some uh, anecdotes about T-Dog, about breastfeeding. And Peter also actually wrote in mentioning this, too, that our yeah. breastfeeding episode has struck a little bit of a chord with uh, some other dads out there. I believe it has. And I'm glad. You know, it's something that, like we said, it's just you don't hear dads talking about it. And of course, I know it's on your brains, too. We all deal are dealing with these issues. But uh, yeah, I'm glad it could uh, resonate with some of you. <laughs> It's easy to forget about, I think, when, uh, unless you're reminded of it, right? Yeah. Like after after you're because like you're still in the phase now where you guys are breastfeeding Luke, right? Just at the end, not of for it, very yeah. much longer, right? right yeah, exactly. Um, but like, but for me, you know, it's been a year basically since we stopped with Henry. So right. at this point, I'm, you do, I'm losing. You just, that, yeah, isn't you know? it amazing how quickly you like move on to the next thing? Or like you didn't even remember that you had a nanny for a little while. I literally <laughs> for a year of Jude's life. <laughs> that's crazy. I know. Yeah. I feel like if you'd asked, so, if you so brought it up the day before, happen. I would have mm-hmm. remembered it. But it's like, the, and that day, I just wasn't was wasn't in my head. It was right. one of these details that just kind of gets like just so much has been lost. Away. So much has been lost. <laughs> so much has been lost. We uh, so we Bethany and I had our first first ever experience of like an overnight somewhere without the kids. You did, yeah. It's sad that it took three years, wow. but um, you know, we did it with Grace when Luke came uh, at the hospital. Grace mm-hmm. was somewhere else, but this was the first time really that we had a night out for ourselves. Well, what'd you do? So we had the wedding to go to that I had mentioned a couple uh, episodes ago, I think. I don't even remember why I brought it up. Oh, yeah, bachelor party. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Screaming so, in the car. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. And uh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was it was quite a... It was a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was it was great on several levels. I mean, it's just my best friend from high school, and uh, so it was great to see him finally. Does he listen to the show? For the love of God, finally. No, I don't think he listens to the show. He'll, soon enough. He's going to be all about kids. I know. He's going to... He's like... I'm sure he's ready for it. Something just started playing. Are you literally our, putting on Pearl Jam in the background right I don't, now? I don't know. I don't even understand where it's coming from. I think it might be my watch. Why is your watch playing? How awesome is that? My watch, watch just started playing Pearl Jam. Better Man. It's a great song. Yeah, it is a great song. Why did your watch start playing Better Man? You know, these smart watches, sometimes they just go rogue. <laughs> I think I must have. I use Spotify on my Samsung Galaxy. Brought to you oh by my Samsung. God. I love it's where the fun uh, happens. And it's what is it called? Gear Gear Three. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I just hit the play button. Somehow. She dreamed in color. She uh, Eddie Vedder's just keep living going, in your keep watch. Keep going. Dream. <laughs> 
a great song. You ever wonder how he started singing like that? Um, In I watched the Pearl Jam. There's a great documentary, actually. Which one? It was called, I think it had the word 10 in it. <laughs> that would make sense. You know, it's been 30 years since that came out. Yeah. And I don't remember what That's the- That's crazy. I, I don't even. I, one thing I remember about it is like him and uh, help me out with um, Soundgarden guy Chris Cornell. Yeah, Chris my Cornell. fucking hero. Tragedy. Yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago he he uh, took his life. Just right? over a year ago. Just yeah. over a year ago now. Um, and it talked about uh, uh, what was the band that they were all in for briefly brief time. Temple of the Dog. Thank you. I knew you would know. Um, and the song uh, uh, Hunger Strike, I'm incredible, going right? Yeah. And just the two of them in that yeah. song. Oh, man, every time I get Fucking goosebumps. Love that yeah. yeah, you should check it out if you're listening and haven't heard that song. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so this wedding. So the wedding. There was yeah, no so Pearl Jam at the wedding. Yeah, the, right. uh, it was actually Eddie Vedder's wedding. It was, I, I, I didn't want to be, deal. you know, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to drop any names, but yeah. we went to high school. Yeah, congrats. That's, <laughs> he stayed back sense. a few he times. Was, yeah. <laughs> he was a very late graduate. Yeah, he skipped it, you know, and then went back after a while. Good for him. I got his um, degree. So he got his high school diploma. <laughs> his high school diploma. It was one of his goals. So it was a little weird going to high school with a, you know, 30-year-old or whatever he was, but... I'm glad he went. It's good for him. But so the wedding was was good. The wedding was nice, but so here's what happened. Yeah. We um, you know, it was our like I said our first time without the kids overnight and we were more worried about Luke. We actually decided to divide them up and have um my mom stayed with Luke at my house and then Bethany's dad took over for the overnight portion. Um okay. so they like, you know, shared it. And then Grace went and did a sleepover over our friend's house, so she was with her nice. uh, with two cousins. Nice, and so that was nice because it's like with kids her own age. I yeah, wasn't really yeah. worried about her, um, but Luke, I thought, you know, at the at a minimum, I thought when he wakes up in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, you know, is just encountered with not us, <laughs> he yeah. might freak out. Um, and I think I think he went. It actually ended up fine with him. Unfortunately, Grace, not so much. It was it was really sad. Actually, really? yeah, she spent a good portion of the time crying (laughs) and really missing us and so we had like over the course of the wedding um i i hopped on the phone with her while we were on our way there and she was just in tears and then bethany uh had talked to her a little bit during like in between the reception and ceremony had to call her yeah and then um the next morning as well and it it was so sad because she was yeah i mean i don't know what's going on exactly um i don't know if it's just another one of these phases you know she was just feeling a little more clingy um, well, she's she not also, used to it. Yeah, she's not you know? used to it, but she has done sleepovers before and mostly fine. Um, and she also was just has getting she done over sleepovers while she's had a younger brother as well. Um, since I think, that I think she did one. She did. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yes, she did. Because that that's a moment of uh, you're right, demarcation, right? Because she's Where, separated from exactly, him too. Exactly. Right. Well, it, well, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking mm-hmm. more in that like she's already given up part of her exclusive exclusivity with you that's guys. That's true. Right? Very true. So it's yeah. sort of like a, a little bit more of that has been chipped away at. So. Yeah, I think also she was just getting over being sick, of course, right? Always. Um, <laughs> and she's on an antibiotic. It's like a augmentin. Oh, no. It's a. I think that's a stronger one. And so okay. I feel like she's still not feeling great. Yeah. So that probably plays into I it. I can relate. And uh, yeah, so since then she's still actually been really clingy. Like at daycare really? yesterday, was really upset. So I'm hoping today we get better uh, news from daycare about how she's doing. But I think it was just like a traumatic thing, and now she's still just feeling wants to be with us. More. Residually clingy. I think so. Yeah, the residual yeah. cling. The resi- resi- Did, Were you yeah. a clingy child? Residual. Cling. I feel like you probably weren't. Um, you were probably well adjusted. Why do you feel you? that way? Tell me more. Well, because I was, and I, I'm just mm. you know. I, I think I, I was too. I, I know I was okay. shy. You know, definitely the type of kid who like 
with new people would probably hide behind my mom, you know, like stand yeah, behind. Her I should have been more like that. I was um, not unfortunately <laughs> like that. So yeah, I, I imagine I was pretty clingy, but I'm not sure. I remember the clinginess quite a lot actually, and, and yeah. I remember a specific moment where. I was having such a hard time separating from my mom that she... Oh, I think I actually brought this up on the show before, but, but yeah. she basically just uh, told me to ride my bike outside. Yeah, I have brought this oh, up. Oh, yes. And um, then chained you to a pole I, so that you just rode yeah, around it. Right, yeah. exactly. And I remember uh, how hard that was. Like mm. I said, I still actually remember that feeling. And it was it was very stressful, even though she was only 10 feet away. Yeah. But, how but old being were you? forced... Uh, 23, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was probably like five. You yeah, know? And I, yeah. just, I just remember like it was... Uh, you know, I had to do it, but I can remember that being difficult. And yeah. then I remember the other big thing for me was um, camp. Mm, that was super hard to I separate bet. from both of my parents. Yeah. Um, and it was, a, it was, it was, have I told you about choir camp before? No, I don't think so. This is like band camp. Is this Yeah, but it's like that, but or? even more intense. Choir, <laughs> choir camp was fucking crazy. Choir that was camp. like, you know, I, I was, so I went, I was in, I was in a boys, professional boys choir from the ages of about seven to 13. Mm. So you know, I had a I had a salary. It was like an actual like a paying job. A paying, was, wow. oh yeah, oh yeah. Actually, that money bringing in the money. That money formed a big part of our down payment on our house. Really, we saved it. yeah. For my that's whole amazing. What my a cool story. Invested it for me, and you know, wow. Yeah, so that was actually really cool. Just think that two dollars, if you invest it wisely, <laughs> yeah, you can right. make millions. Out I was of it. paid one penny yeah, per exactly. No, it was like especially towards because you get promoted. And yeah. By the end of it, I was making like you know You're enough money until it was like having a full time job in addition to being in school. Yeah. You would just um, sing, and you know it would just basically rain money. They're just bazooka cash. It was just yeah, so beautiful. Right. I'd be like, was... "Can't find a bit of me." <laughs> Your patrons were just throwing, yeah, exactly. money at yeah. you. Um, uh-huh. And uh, so, uh, so, and anyway, so, so I was so as part of the this choir, I had to go to uh, a camp yeah. every summer, and that was basically where we would kind of go through some of the repertoire for the upcoming year. And we would do kind of an intensive, it was, it was an Anglican choir, so mm. it was kind of in the Anglican choral tradition, and there was kind of a lot in yeah. terms of decorum and in terms of like the, you know, we had to dress a certain way, we had to like use wow. certain utensils, we had to walk on certain use sides certain of the utensils. hallway. Yeah, it was it was good because I was not, as we've mentioned many times, an extraordinarily disciplined child. So yeah. I think it was good for me in that mm. way too. This will connect into our um, uh, topic today too, I think then. Maybe a little bit, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so, but choir camp, you know, was a, a week yeah. away. Yeah, and um, and I had a really hard time with that. Oh yeah, how old? Oh, so you started at seven? So yeah, the, I, I was probably I was probably eight the first time that. I actually Oh yeah, went to choir that's camp. that's a lot. It's a long a time week to be away, away from for a week. And I remember like mm-hmm. looking at the payphone and and knowing that like you know I could call home. Yeah. Um, but that doing that would would make it even harder, you know. Wow. And, and I and I remember distinctly those first couple of years still hmm. um, how much that was on my mind. Yeah, um, that was that was rough. Not as rough as the time where we got attacked by wasps because we had a peeing contest. <laughs> the bees. <laughs> we had a, we had a, so we would always at the end of like our big rehearsal, we would all go pee off the back porch of this like. Yeah, I don't, naturally. I don't, I don't know why. It was That's a choir thing, right? That's, yeah, it was, yeah. It was like and go you sing, away. right? You try to hit yeah. a hit a high <laughs> note yeah, while you're right. peeing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, this kid Kenneth. Hit a fucking hornet always, nest. It's always, it's always Kenneth. Kenneth. Kenneth always hits the and, goddamn uh, hornet nest. And hundreds of thousands of hornets came out, and everybody got stung. Millions, on the, on probably, the junk. right? I think there's probably millions yeah, of hornets. Yeah. yeah, millions of hornets. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> choir camp. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so I'm hoping that it doesn't stick with uh, Grace in the same way that it has stuck with you. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just keep her I'm hoping from the it's just nest. like a this week thing, and she's moved on. But she's but we'll see. so you're gonna see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each day, I mean, we'll see what happens. But you so know, now, you just well, go with it, and you know, but of course, like the, the, we've talked about the differences in in how parents perceive, 
you know, different phases or whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so Bethany automatically is like feeling much more concerned um, and mentioned like there's some crazy, uh, I don't even know what to call it. I don't know if it's a disorder or disease or something that can happen <laughs> when kids have strep a lot. It's oh, like tied man. to that. It's called pandas. Pa- the acronym is like pandas. They actually turn into a panda. <laughs> it's really unsettling. Yeah. Um, I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's called pandas, I believe. That's such a cute name and, for a uh, disease or disorder. Isn't it? Yeah. But the, the awful part of it is that they develop, I think it's like a mental um, illness from it. Really? Yeah. And there's some connection to strep throat. Whoa. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not just making something up entirely. That's like something I would talk about isn't it yeah yeah but see for me so bethany mentioned that you know she's mentioned it in the past and just like the pandas she's, she's noticed it yeah the pandas yeah. she's noticed it more recently with a, um a group a mom's group that she's on or something like that and uh you know i can't even let stuff like that enter my brain because i just don't want to go there Plus, so, you so could probably get pandas by thinking about exactly it, right? yeah, yeah yeah it's like when you make a face It'd you know and someone pandemic. taps you on the shoulder do you remember hearing about that uh, you no. make it if you make it like a ugly face, and then you someone taps you on the shoulder. It could get frozen that way. That's that's science. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's I've seen it happen. That. I've seen it happen. Too. I've known some good people whose lives have been ruined by that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, but the, I, I do remember being a kid and uh, making funny faces and being told that it would stay like that. Yeah, and believing it. <laughs> of course. Do you remember that? Uh, yes. I, it's a Wait, scary. It does like, happen though. That's I'm that's serious. True. <laughs> no, I do. I remember. Like, I'm literally getting afraid. I don't know why people. Yeah, exactly. I, like, really? I know. Isn't there? There's like a uh, primitive level. Like, how you much know, would that suck? Right. If the whole rest of your life you're just like. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish our audience could see. That's going to be the cover for this episode. <laughs> your face. Would that be um, scary? Oh, it'd be awful. Like, I, I feel like it would really. Yeah. Uh, it would really. Would, then would you wear a mask for the rest right. of your life? Mm-hmm. Would you? Um. It depends how bad the face is, I guess. All right, so again, if it's this, I might go for the like the the face you, the face removal operation, like in face off. You would get face off and yeah. do Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I think I'd look pretty good with Nicolas Cage's face. I think I could pull that off. I'm, I have a different build. I'm like a lot shorter than he is. I feel like that might not work. You know, because his face is very yeah. Elongated. Travolta is probably shorter. Travolta, right? yeah. I could do the Travolta face. We have similar kind of you face actually, shape. I think, I think yeah. yeah, that yeah. would work pretty maybe, well. Maybe, so we'll do that. How about, how about you that? You be Travolta, okay. I'll be Nick Cage. <laughs> it sounds good. All right, Halloween. That's perfect. Yeah. All right, sounds yeah. good. No, I I have thought about that though, about like what <laughs> I would off. do if if I if I got frozen in that position. I remember being a kid and thinking like <laughs> like what would I do with my life? And then I was thinking, well, I could be like a cool hunchback. <laughs> like I could find like a church somewhere. You could just and, like, find your niche somewhere. Tower. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you make lemonade out of lemons. You, you know have what to. Mean? What you else can you do? It's all that was our joy episode, basically, right? Our joy it's episode. Like you, was gotta, inspired you either do by... something with that, or you you know don't worry about it, and you, um, yeah, you make lemonade. What do you want to do? Become a recluse for the rest of your life? Exactly. You, I still have something to offer. Right. Just don't look in the mirror anymore. Just, just yeah. Just don't all look, mirrors don't look are gone in the house. I'll put a sock over my head. Yeah. I'll be a fucking great bell ringer. I will have an inspiring story, and some uh, asshole tapped me on the shoulder while I was making a face. Yeah, some fucking ass. Can you imagine? I've actually never the, the tapping on the shoulder thing. Uh, that who the that fuck taps as, anybody on the shoulder? That's true. I mean, in this day and age, I feel like that's <laughs> that actually it's, happened it's, it's in too the, far. Uh, at the Museum of Science a couple of weeks ago, I was walking by, and there was like uh, uh, this guy was like working there, and mm-hmm. he goes on the other side of a coworker and does the thing where he taps the far side of her shoulder. Yeah, and she turns around and looks at me. Oh, like I had what just fucking tapped the shoulder. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't tap your shoulder, yep. and then, and then he's like, Oh, Classic. I got you. I was like, thank you for clearing that up at least, because now yeah. otherwise this like strange woman is going to think that I'm fucking <laughs> tapping shoulders. No one's done that to me since middle school. Yeah, it was the first time I've seen it's it. The last in time I've seen very, in a very, yeah, that was yeah. That's it's time to let that go. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. So you want to move on to our topic for today? 
Yeah, I guess we should. I was going to mention one other bizarre thing that Grace is doing. Do it, man. If for, no, if for nothing else, I'm keeping a record of all these things. It's yeah, like my own journal so is, that I can yeah, exactly. look back and say, oh, yeah, th- there were signs, you know? So this may be another sign, right? We talked about dolls last week. Another thing that she's been doing, she'll take a tissue box that's filled with tissues. She'll remove all the tissues and instead, she'll stuff in like paper towels and other paper items. <laughs> so I'll just I'll just go to grab a tissue, and I grab like a paper towel. It's a clean paper towel, right. but it's like crumpled up. And I'm like, "What the fuck happened? Why is she doing that? I don't know. I really I, at least it's a say it's a paper product. I mean, yeah, it could be worse. She's not like stuffing her shit in the box, right? Yeah, there's no nails in there or something like oh, that. Yeah. yeah be, oh, nails. Yeah. Okay, you were thinking like. Um, Door, you know, yeah, nails, like, like, like to hang pictures with carpentry nails. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of like human, fingernail- <laughs> <laughs> fingernails. How creepy would that be? Just- then I would indeed be worried about some mental. Yeah, that, that would be a sign if you're looking for when it started. That <laughs> filling would be tissue which is filling with nails. nails. <laughs> I mean, it would take a lot of nails to fill that. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it'd be like that's, an army of people. You know, I have to say, one of the things that uh, Micah and I get into most of our arguments about- Into bad places. Is uh, is about clipping toenails. Ugh, yeah. Because I fucking hate clipping my toenails. Yeah. I, I think it's just a so terrible just process. Just well, I just, I just do it until other. she yells at me about it. Yeah. And then, she, and then, you know, until I'm slicing her Achilles tendon open in bed, and then she's like, "You need to clip." <laughs> same thing has happened to me. Nails. Yeah, that's pretty uh, much the same. And with I look us, down, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh, that's right, I have to do that because yeah. I don't do it every week." You of know course, what I mean? Like, yeah. And, Does I mean, anyone? And also, toenails are very. I, I don't know, but maybe I just have extraordinary toenails. But my toenails, yeah. like, there's some fucking meat to those things. Oh yeah, like those are like, you know, I need two hands on the clipper. You know, I mean, I think I have very good foot hygiene. Mine are actually whatever uh, Wolverine is it titanium? What is uh, adamantium? What is, adamantium. Of course, I knew. I mean, of course, you would know this. Right. Um, but I'm pretty sure I my toenails some, are made of adamantium. I'm like, the toenail clippers that I have are not equipped to deal with how fucking resilient my toenails are. Yeah, that's, you know? I think that means you're a healthy guy. Well, I think, you're, I you're think eating, it also means you're that I, I probably good. don't clip my nails. You're built like an ox. I think, <laughs> I think it means that my nails are like, there's no room to grow out <laughs> anymore, so we're going to grow down and up. You oh, know? wow, yeah. Um, but they're very resilient. Uh, that's good. How often would you say you clip your toenails? Oh, pff, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe three weeks? Really? Is that too long? No, I, I mean that's so every three weeks you clip your toenails. I mean I don't I don't have it in I don't have a uh, reminder on my phone. So uh, what is your Alexa, reminder? Alexa, every three weeks clip my toenails. <laughs> You're welcome to whoever's listening to this with Alexa now. <laughs> Alexa, um, fart for me. Yeah. Oh man, we've been doing that. Thank you for that, by yeah. the way, because we also had a sleepover at our house with my um, nieces, and I taught them all that, and they've now gone back to their homes and yes. started doing it. Yes. And uh, it's just the funniest thing. I, I did it at our friends uh, Devin and Abby's house. She's got now so many too. Oh, she oh she has a amazing. I know. Yeah. But the best part of the I'm Alexa impressed. farting thing is that yeah. it takes her a minute to process exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. So it's like she's humiliated. It's like Alexa fart for me, and, and she's she doesn't like, say anything. And she just like right. kind of goes, and it's like, yep. Yeah. And they go on. I mean, some of them are really They're fucking amazing. Can yeah. you imagine the team who did that? Like, do you think they found <laughs> fart noises online, or they actually they must have original? They must have created them, right? I I don't. I doubt it. I, I, They're I, very high fidelity farts. Though. They are, and I I would imagine that. They wouldn't bother to go through like licensing. I suppose they could have bought some. Yeah, they probably there might, there might be a fart factory that they license it from. You Do know? you think there's just like one guy? You know about that guy? Speaking of Face Off, I know for a fact he's done audio um, from Face Off. I believe his name starts with a W, and he's done Wilbur. Yes, the screen. Oh, no, I'm just saying just W. No, you don't actually know. It's no. not Wilbur. It's Waco. It, it starts with W, and it's you got to YouTube it. All right. Um, I don't know what you'll YouTube Warthog. since I don't remember his name. It's closer to Warthog. Okay. And it's this guy who's done 
the screams, and it sh- you'll find like a montage of different movies. Oh, oh Wilhelm. Same. You're talking about the Wilhelm screen. Wilhelm, thank oh, yeah, you. Of course, of course I, I knew you would screen. know it. Yeah. Why did it take so long? Well, I use that in all of my sound design projects. <laughs> so do you it, think it's, there's it's a, a Wilhelm for farts is what I'm getting at. Oh, like the Wilhelm fart. Yeah. I don't know. I would love to be the one who ends up creating that. I think, <laughs> I think maybe if I start seeding good fart noises into things <laughs> enough, people will pick up on it. Yeah. But the Wilhelm scream is such a fascinating story, and uh, especially like I knew you would know the whole backstory to this. Well, do you know where it came from? But someone just—if you're listening, you should just watch. Just stop listening this and yeah, yeah. YouTube Wilhelm give up on this fucking episode. It's fascinating. It is super fascinating. I don't think I ever heard uh, the story. It's well, it's it's from a movie shoot in in the in the I think the late '40s. It was Mm. like a country western movie where there were crocodiles. Yeah, and people were falling into the river. And they had a guy come just to do a bunch of screams that oh, day. And, and, and that he they just did, all originated from just that one recording. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like this guy that came in for an afternoon oh, and did wow. a bunch of screams. And, See, uh, I always liked to imagine it as Wilhelm, this guy who they just hired to do screams. Just a the they perfect need screamer. Yeah. 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 No, this is just like a studio actor that came Kinda in. Kind of like the voiceover it. people. You know, there's like two that do all of them. Yeah. Right. Exa- yeah, exactly. And you can hire like, those like guys John for Maggio. cheap money, too. Yeah. For cheap money? Yeah. For cheap some, money. No, some of them, it's amazing. Like one of the ones you actually hear. Um, in those trailers, like Google that, and you'll you can actually just like hire them. World. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can just hire them to do like a quick voiceover for you for like a few hundred bucks. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> the but, world uh, we live in. Uh, but 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 the Wilhelm scream though has made its way obviously into hundreds and uh, probably thousands of, oh, uh, of yeah, projects at this point. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. including mine, when, when I doing ah. when I'm doing sound design, I always find a way that's to how, work it in. That's how like we know it's really made it. Joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's amazing. Um, even uh, on the on the alien uh, audio drama that we did last year, I have uh, a, a number of Wilhelm oh, screams, that's but awesome. they're all slowed down and stretched out, yeah, so, yeah, so that yeah. you don't really know where it comes from. Right. But the reality is, is that the actual scream sound itself is really potent. Like it's oh, a yeah. really it sounds hilarious because mm-hmm. we all know it from Star mm-hmm. Wars, especially because it's of used course. all over the place in Star yeah. Wars. But uh, when you separate it out from that, it's actually there's a reason why that's the scream people use and things. It's like oh, scary. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. The Wilhelm scream. All right, now we should transition. I, <laughs> I think I think we're Fair ready to do that. Yeah, just one hack. So today we're talking about the power of limitations, which yeah. came up briefly on our last episode. It did, um, and it's come up a number of times, usually in the context of me talking about my music. So mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk a little bit about that. But I think it also has a lot of. Uh, crossover into parenting. I think so too. Because I think a lot of what we, you know, we, we live in a world where, in a, in a world, world. <laughs> where, as you pointed out, you know, there's uh, decision paralysis. There's a yeah. lot. Oh my oh God. Oh my God. It's Eddie Vedder again. Why? I don't understand. I don't, even, I don't even know what to do about this. Why is like, your watch playing fucking great 90s? I don't know if it's my rock. voice is activating it. Waiter. Or... <laughs> Keep going. Um, in a world. In a world. Uh, so decision you know, we, we live with decision paralysis. We, mm-hmm. There's so much going on all the time. Yeah, and we're faced with a constant situation of having to make sense of that chaos by making <clears throat> choices, and uh, in those choices, uh, then making something new uh, out of it that you know is is um, within the realm of what we're able to do. Yeah, so we can be a better man. So we can break it from. <laughs> so we know, uh, you know, like what we, what we what we can do. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether that means, um, you know, like the fact that we have a finite number of hours in the day, yep. uh, we don't have uh, infinite money. Well, you know, some of us have infinite money. All that sweet, sweet All choir money. All that sweet choir, choir boy money. money. That yeah, choir boy. Sing a That sounded a, sing a little bit dirty there. Yeah. 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 A little <laughs> yeah. bit. Also, the, my face was <laughs> saying Creepy place, it. yeah. Um, so anyway, so I, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off to you. Uh, have you noticed limitation having a, uh, a powerful impact on your life? 
I have, yeah. I really, I think you're onto something powerful with this one. Unlike everything, every, <laughs> unlike everything else you say, you're onto something powerful. All with the this garbage, one. yeah. The true power. That, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was like a merge of Star Wars and Arnold. I don't know why. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something if you were in it in he a Star be. Wars movie? Yeah. yeah, he should be. What is he doing now? All right. Anyway, he's busy. Speaking of limitation, we really should exp- we should exercise that here on our show more often. Yeah, we should. Um, but then again, would it be as entertaining? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm too tired. No. I think that, first of all, creatively, I can speak to that, too. I think that um, with film, oh, man, I mean, you encounter this in so many ways. So yeah. first off, um, I've experienced it with writing, you know, so you write a screenplay and uh, I was able to take a couple courses in college. And it was so interesting. Um, just getting started can be tough. But there were these wonderful moments where uh, we'd have an exercise where the instructor would just give us, you know, like three things, like a, an object and maybe like something about a person. A dildo. Um, yeah, a dildo, yeah. you know, uh, and a guy in a top hat, you know? Yeah. And then we would just have to classic, write something. Classic story. Yeah. I mean, you should try it with the that The eternal tale, yeah. And then you would just you would just free write off of that. Mm-hmm. So there's an element of the limitation, but there's also um, the freedom to do whatever you want And with isn't that. it amazing that the second you say any of those, even if it's something as stupid as a dildo and a top hat, yeah. there's a story Exactly. Right like, and that's in, in my brain, right. your brain, probably everybody listening to this is brain. Yep immediately starts putting them together into some kind of a scenario. Right, exactly. Probably a gro- you know, Probably gross one, one we shouldn't but, repeat, but, yeah. But, I mean, I, I feel like uh, like that is so amazing. If you told me mm-hmm, right now, mm-hmm. write a story, I would go, oh, that's, Jesus. So that's right. exactly well, it, yeah. You know. And to but be fair... But if you fair, said, here's a dildo and a top hat, write a story about them, there yeah, you go. Right, that's right. I think that's totally true. Now, to be fair, I mean, we're both, you know, I think we're fairly creative people. We probably would go about it in the same way if someone just said tell us a story we'd probably just like quickly you know think of a thing anything to yeah. get us started because we have some tools to like help us get there but you, but that's the point like you actually want to start with some limitations up front um because i mean how do how can our brains take all of it in and just like you know create something from nothing right <laughs> um you have to start somewhere so there's that part of it and then you know in the production um process of course i mean especially being a student filmmaker at the time you've got no money um, you're not paying the people. Uh, I remember doing, you know, this production in a, in a, a full day that stretched out into the night. And I remember we were filming a night scene, so we wanted it, you know, we wanted it dark. And uh, but it was indoors. And I remember getting to that part of the night where everyone's feeling like in this kind of wonderful um, twilighty kind of like crepuscular. Uh, what does that mean, crepuscular? It means That's like probably a, a, it. at twilight or dawn. Mm. Yeah. So. You know how you get to that portion of the night? This actually happened at the wedding, too, where it was like after the wedding, you know, everybody, a lot of people, I mean, it was just like an after party kind of thing. Congratulations. We're just hanging out in a hotel with some people, having conversation. It's about random shit. Mm-hmm. And, and I just love that, like, there's there's no, like, purpose. You're just kind of, like, hanging out, and um, your brain at that point is kind of fried from the day, but there's, like, you're kind of operating on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happened when we got to that part of the filming where people were, like, tired and... Um, their brains probably weren't, you know, fully on in the same way that they would be for like performing earlier. But that's the right. beauty of it, you know. And so the conversations that had happened, it felt real, you know, that we were really there, like in the middle of a night and tired, and just like the limitation of that actually created something that I thought was really beautiful. 
Well, and I think there's something different going on in that. Um, yeah, which, well, there probably which, is. Which, which is not to say that that's not all also a limitation. Yeah, thing, yeah, but, yeah. But in, in my experience, the situation that you were in, mm-hmm. um, when I've had similar moments like that in my life, it's usually been because of the specialness of that environment. That's very it's true. It's because it's something that's completely out of the normal realm of what you do yeah. in your day-to-day life, right? Yeah. It's like later than you're usually working on something. It's mm, with the novelty. You're, not usually you're so right about that. that novelty. They say this about even yeah. when you're doing creative work to change up the scenery. You know, go to a coffee shop, do this, that. Because if you if you break out of the norm, you actually your brain starts thinking different ways. So I think you're right about that. Too, yeah, right, for right. sure. Um, and 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 I, the second you do that, there's like a specialness to it. Yeah, where it, it, yeah. it feels like a space that's been created for creativity. Mm, right. That's so true. Now, what's interesting. My, the way that I work is there's there's really kind of two halves of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's the, the the I do a, I do a lot of my composing while I'm walking yeah. or hiking. Yeah, more more accurately, like I go on kind of long kind of wilderness walks with a notebook, um, and that to me is very much that situation. So that's yes. like a special space where there's very few things I can be doing other than just kind of being in my head and being in nature. Yeah. Um, it's not being at work. It's not even playing with the kids or with Micah. It's not, you know, it's, it's not uh, being in a school environment. Right. It's a special creative space, right? Yeah, yeah. But also a lot of what I do and part of actually why I love composing so much is because there's also just a workmanlike aspect to it. There's just the simple act of you gotta get having to done. translate what I'm thinking <laughs> about into something other people can read and That's interpret right. clearly. Yeah. Um, and there's, just, there's and a, just that alone, like you say, that is a limitation, right? Mm-hmm. That it, You have to translate it into something because at some level it lives in you in some way that is like not translatable <laughs> yeah. in its raw form. Right. And just by translating it, that act of doing that is a limitation. Exactly. And one that's great, you know? Yeah. And, and I <laughs> Otherwise, it would never that. come to life. I love having an idea mm-hmm. that's completely abstract and exists only as a thing in my head it, yeah. that might not even have sound to it. Yeah. It, it might be that I, I know I want to do something, but what would, before I even know what that would sound like, I'm already thinking, how could somebody pull this off? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then, and then once you figure that out, how am I going to notate it in a way that will allow them to pull it off? Because the reality is that, like, I, I know the people that are premiering this piece, but but hopefully it'll be it will be done in the future in other environments where I don't know the people. Yeah, and I'm not going to be able to walk them through it every time. Exactly. And I and I want to make it um, clear so that they can do ambitious and crazy things in a way that feels comfortable to them and correct for their instrument. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't want to get too much into the composing stuff yet, but yeah. I, I guess I guess I can a little bit, but. Um, but I do think that so there's there's like sort of the open creative space, and mm-hmm. then there's also just the workman like, you know, I'm going to put in three hours of notating this stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and for that, I have to be in a very controlled environment because, as as I've talked about many times, I'm I don't I'm not like a great concentrator in mm-hmm. general in my life. Like yeah. I'm not you know I I can get distracted by a lot of things and I can be thinking anything. About two, yeah, literally mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. So I have to create very <laughs> controlled environments sometimes if I really want to be able to focus on something. Yeah. So. Um, it's interesting. My creative arc goes from being very kind of open ended. Anything mm. can happen. I, I I want to be distracted by things because they'll give me ideas for things. Yeah. To having to be like, okay, now I got to be very specific and very focused, and I got to do something very. I think small. that makes a lot of sense. It's I'm sure, of course, it could be mapped to our brain and where how it's traveling. You know, that sort of the creative process travels through your brain, and it starts in the area where it is. You you want it to tap into more subconscious parts of your brain. Because there's some powerful stuff there, and yeah. it's like raw state, right? Mm-hmm. So you put yourself out there in nature. You know, for me, it would be like on a drive, you know, that I do yeah, all the time sure. where it's like I'm tapping into, and you hear people on the shower or other yeah. kind of mindless, you know, activities, <clears throat> which is a problem now that we have less of those, right, that we're more yes, focused on our phone all the it's time. It's a huge problem. Um, it is for creativity because I think a lot of times the ideas come there, and then it's a process of turning that into something that is very 
um, limited or uh, has to be, like you said, translated, I guess, right? And, mm-hmm. and you want to offer some limitations in terms of your environment and um, you know enough about your own creative process to be able to do that. I think a lot of people struggle with like that process of getting it there, yeah. um, which you know I think just comes mostly from practice. Um, it also occurred to me that also, you know, thinking about film again, you see so many directors have these incredible pieces of work right from the get go. And it's always like it's it's incredible. You know, it's usually after some of their like short story or short film kind of stuff in um, college. And then suddenly they have like this incredible um, movie at the beginning of their career. You mean like going from cigarettes and red vines to boogie nights? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think of Clerks, you know, with, uh, yeah, Kevin, with Kevin Smith. Smith. This yeah. awesome movie. Um, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. It would have been, um, I guess it would have been Reservoir Dogs. Or is that there something first, before that? His first studio film. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what I was going to say there is I feel like a lot of times you see directors, unfortunately, um, start from that place where they really are working with, I mean, you talk about limitations, just the budget alone, of course, has you know limits so much of what mm-hmm. you can do. And I would say for the best, and, and they create these really incredible pieces of work with those limitations. And as they get more successful, um, oftentimes, it's not always true, but... Um, the more uh, flexibility or freedoms that they're given, sometimes the quality of their stuff suffers. Oh, we notice that all um, the time. And it kind of sucks. All you the know, time. Music, I'm sure this happens with as well. But the other thing um, is that once you become successful enough, you, be, you become surrounded by people who are kind of in awe of you or yeah, who enable you. Yeah, and that's a problem and too. Then you, and then it's it's up to you as a creative artist. Yeah. And Paul Thomas Anderson specifically has talked about this yeah. before. That it's up to you to He's constantly go back into yourself and question yeah. the decisions that you're making. That's because right. people will stop doing that. And yep. at some point, you will be successful enough that people will assume that you know what you're doing. And, and even if they disagree with it they'll be like well he's a genius so he knows what he's doing right that's a dangerous place for it's a very dangerous place Mm -hmm. um and it's it's not i'm not saying that i have experienced that personally (laughs) but i but it's something that i can imagine would be a really dangerous environment to well and at some level i'm sure you have because you've done enough work now that there are things you can take for granted or um I don't know. It, it's it can be really hard to put yourself back in the beginner's mind. That's right? very true too. And and yeah. so I really I can relate to that. And I think it's so important for us to you know continually do that. I mean, yeah. in so many facets of life, I feel like that. But I do feel powerful. like that is specifically what what attracts me to the kind of music that I write. Yeah. And why I don't do quote unquote popular music anymore. Yeah. Which yeah. I used to play in rock bands. I used to do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and I fell away from that because there's something very specific about working with limitations that I just love mm. and that I feel so liberated by. Yeah. And it has to do with, um, I, lo- I love the, the progression from having a problem and solving that problem and allowing the solution to that problem to inspire me to find more problems to solve. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's really rewarding, that process. It's very rewarding. And I think in parenting, that's a huge thing, too. Yeah. So knowing that we have, for example, a very finite amount of time after work before the kids go to bed, Mm -hmm. knowing that we can't drive far away, we can't do something crazy, Yeah. um, but that we still want to make it a memorable night, Mm -hmm. means that you have to make decisions. And then there's all these other limitations. Like, for example, you know, we don't want to watch a movie because we've already done that this week and we don't want to be watching movies every night. Yeah. Um, you know, like Jude's been sick, so we don't want to like push him too hard physically to do other stuff. Yeah. You know, we've already done the space station thing in the bed this week. So like, so like what is left? <laughs> we've already gone to space. space. I mean, where do you go from there? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It's downhill. Um, so it's, it's having to constantly kind of reevaluate your options and, and, but again, 
here we come back to the thing we talk about all the time, which is that it's just an active process. It's being present in yeah, that moment. I think so. Mm-hmm. And I, I think probably a lot of parents don't necessarily think through it quite that much. I mean, who Maybe the hell has do. time? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, if I mean, it weren't I for us always, having these conversations, right, right. you know, it's like, I mean, I do. I try to right. in my day-to-day life. But, you know, frankly, like this is a time where it just forces me to um, even just communicate that stuff, yeah, you know? Right. Um, so another way of thinking about this in terms of um, our lives, I read this great quote that I wanted to share. Um, that I think connects to what you were just saying, because there is something wonderfully um, liberating uh, at some level about limitations in that, you know, they help us make a decision much more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <clears throat> this one, it, the fortuitous timing, I just saw it on Facebook. It was a New York Times article that recently came out, um, and it was a profiling uh, this Kenyan marathon runner who's won like eight marathons. So he's like the, you know, he's the top or the, I don't know what the right term is, but he's run the most uh, won the most marathons of any human being yeah. um, ever. Uh, I believe that's true. Um, and his name is uh, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's, Very prolific. I need to give him some credit. It's Kip Kipjogi. Kipjogi. Okay. Um, and so here's the quote. It's, only the disciplined ones in life are free. If you are undisciplined, you are a slave to your moods and your passions. Mm. And I read that and I thought, huh, that's such an interesting way because oftentimes we would frame discipline or restriction as a, the opposite of freeing. Right. Right? It's restrictive. <laughs> um, so the idea that it liberates us, you know, and he specifically references moods and passions. I, I think I would go further than that. Um, and it, it was just an interesting sort of turns it on its head, the idea that discipline allows you to be free as a person and mm-hmm. freely make decisions that are um, maybe, uh, you know, outside of the grasp of your, not grasp, but... They're not as restricted or controlled by your passions or some of the other subconscious factors. Does that make sense? It does. I'm trying to think if it's true. Yeah, because I I think people are different. Like I feel like not ev- not everybody's <laughs> not everybody's personality no, might necessarily be liberated by that. <laughs> oh, um, I think that's absolutely true. But I get it. I get. The, my, I get where it I comes mean, mine from. Is, yeah, I, yeah, I get where it comes from too. Because I. I but see, for me, because I think by nature I'm not a disciplined person. Yeah. So I think for me, the constant act of having to impose discipline on myself is mm-hmm. is really great. Yeah. And I enjoy that. Yeah. But um, I, I'm always aware that there's a friction behind the fact that like that. I, I think, in the absence of discipline, I mm-hmm. would probably be probably be more. I don't know if I want to say authentically myself, but. Um, I don't know, like like, like the, the having to constantly look at whether or not I am being disciplined yeah. is a healthy process for me. Yes. I don't, but I don't know if it necessarily think, liberates me. No, it's a good point. I mean, the way I look at it, like most things, is that there's a healthy tension there, and I think if you go too far to one extreme or the other, um, you're going to have probably a, a more difficulty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So with this, it's like if you overdo that, you know, and you're disciplined to a level. I mean, frankly, I'm, I imagine if I had read that whole article, <laughs> um, I would have learned about exactly, you know, how yeah, disciplined right, he is right. with his diet and all this other stuff. Um, I remember hearing this about, I think it was Tom Brady. You know, <laughs> I was in terms just thinking of, Tom Brady when he said diet and other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah very restricted, right? right? Knows exactly... Um, I don't know if it's what he's going to eat or where or what it is, but he knows didn't way help in him advance. Last weekend, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and I know this is a big thing in the uh, Silicon Valley kind of you know play uh, uh, world as well, where yeah. you see people wear like three uni- you know three outfit uniforms, <laughs> um, three outfits or one outfit every day, and they I just have the jobs. same one. And it's like that's one less decision you have to make. Yeah, you know. So I I get the idea behind that, but I think if it's taken too far. I imagine there's something really restrictive about that, right? It's like you are cutting off some of your authentic self. Um, but 
if you go too far the other direction and you have no discipline, yeah, then you know, it sucks. And then, and then it does and then suck because it's like, happening to you and you have no control over right, it. Right, exactly. Yourself. And so maybe the tension there or the the balance is different for everyone. I'm right. sure. Right. That's where it's like Here's personalities and all that. Limitation gives you an idea of where limits are in the first place, and when you see the limits of something, yeah, then you can then you can more accurately perceive its shape, and when you can see the shape around you, yeah. When you can see the water you're swimming through, <laughs> right, then you actually are self-aware. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, at the heart of that. I think it is. Self-awareness is at the heart of it. So I, so I, I would say uh, this, this year for me, as I've mentioned a couple of times, has been a year of discipline yeah. in a lot of ways because I think I reached a point where I realized that to be able to live the life that I would like to live, yeah. I have to impose more strictures on the way that I use time, especially. Yes. It's so true. If I want to be physically healthy, I have to get to the gym. Yeah. And I have to eat differently. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to do that, then it means that I have to make space it for other things. It means you have to things. not do something else. Yeah. Exactly. There is no free time There left. is none, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but there can be very tactical use of small bits of free time. And when I do get small bits of free time, yep. I have to fucking grab it by the throat and use it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Kill I don't it. Know why, I don't know why I grab it by the throat. But, but right? Because it doesn't have horns. Yeah. Right, free yeah, time exactly. does not have right, horns. Right. No, I think that's totally true. And I think we really are feeling that right? um, as parents. And then that free time has a shape to it. This yeah. is what I'm saying, is, is that then that free time is not just lazy time. Yeah. It's not just me being like, oh, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> that free time has a shape and a volume to it. And it's something that I can step into and I can appreciate. Yeah. I can see where it ends. Yep. And I can see, I can look at how beautiful it is from this side. Mm-hmm. And I can say, this is where I'm going to live for this time in yeah. my life. And my life is precious. And, and that's I don't have unlimited because time. Because you know, you have an awareness of it now that if you had not otherwise had, it may feel like your life is totally, um, completely restrictive. That yeah. you have no, you have nothing left. You have no control over it. All of it's, you know, you, it's all planned out for you. You just go home, do this, that, that, go to work. You know, it's all like... And uh, I can see how it's easy to get into that place, too, as a parent, because you really um, you don't have as much control. And so I think there is a perception part of it as well. Uh, Yeah, it's interesting. Because the reality is the second you have kids, those limitations are cascading. Like you have (laughs) so many of them. Right. Yeah. Because you, you have to be there to keep them alive. Yeah. You have to be able to put money aside so that they can like have a start for their own lives and that they can have food on the table and things yeah. like that. Um, you have to be healthy so that you can take care of them. You have to be present so that you can nurture them. There's all of these limitations that, like as we talked about last time, like the second you leave that hospital, yeah, your first limitation is already right there, which is that like you have to keep this child alive now. The, the doctors and nurses are not there anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and to do that, there's a series of, lim- of limitations. And so you can either look at those limitations as being stifling, mm-hmm. which is a recipe for disaster, yeah. or you can look at them as opportunities for creativity and as as chances to be able to p- better evaluate your life. I think so. And I think, you know, to be fair, I think uh, we probably all go between the two to some extent. You know, it's like as much as we try to be aware and look at that as a, a positive there are times where it will, it does feel kind of sucky. Like I really want to go out and with my friends and do this thing, but I know I can't. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. Just to be fair, I think there, that's the reality um, totally. behind it all. But I really do believe that uh, kind of leading into that, leaning into that limitation, um, and looking at it from that perspective as the, in a way, it can be liberating as well. Um, to know that, all right, these are the things that are like they're just knowns. Mm-hmm. Right? There are they are limitations, and now here's what I can do with that. Like here's how I do. Um, make the best use of that time, you know? And I think, yeah, we're, (laughs) there's also, it's such a transition because we come from as a young person having kids, 
um, we come from this wonderfully liberated place of, you know, just coming out of college and like feeling like you could do anything you want. Right. 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 Um, and, you know, obviously that's not totally true. <laughs> You're restricted by a lot of things. Um, you know, the, where you exactly you are, how much money you have, all that kind of stuff feeds into it. But still, you come out but and you want to have that. when I was in college, I was not thinking about that at yeah. all. Right. I was not. I was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be famous. <laughs> I'm like, that was, that was yeah. my restriction. Oh, yeah, was like, totally. I'm going to be the most important fucking person ever. I remember graduating high school, we... Um, in our yearbook, you had to leave like a statement or something. It was oh, like in the next, you know, in tw- in ten years. So for me, it was uh, in twenty fourteen. You will be blah, yeah. and I said John Abdullah will be a household name. <laughs> <laughs> what a creepy thing, too, Did right? Because it's it? like basically, I was like, either I'm going to be famous, or I can just do something awful and make that That's true. true. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think I, I think I did. You know, I, I was huge into TV production and uh-huh. like. I definitely had the concept of uh, maybe not winning the Pulitzer, like you, you knew you were. Gonna, yeah, I did. I wrote that down. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought I was like I was going to be a personality and someone who you know would make it big in the Hollywood or in some capacity. Yeah, and that in and of itself, the fame was part of the. It was attractive. It was a goal, you know. And, and now there's I nothing wrong with that. Well, there isn't, but I look back at it now. And you know where I'm at in my life now, and I think I, I think I see more negative to that than I do positive. You mean like if you actually had been a household name? Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Right? Like yeah. I don't, I wouldn't want that for my family mostly. No. Um. So you know, with my creative work, you know, with this, let's just say this, okay? I would love if if you guys are listening, you share this. This becomes like a really, you know, oh my a god, this is your household name. Yeah, this could be. Yeah, it. This is your long goal. This could be yeah. it, right? I'm playing the long game. So I would love We're if household this names became successful. Two households, and uh, yeah, people talk about us in some households. <laughs> Usually, in the context of, oh god, do we have to put this on again? Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Fucking, oh, he's gonna know we didn't listen to it. What the hell they're talking yeah. about? <laughs> um, but you know, if this took off and became successful, and we got ads and all that kind of stuff, sweetstamps.com money. I love that um, stuff. Then I I think I'd really have a I'd have to really think through like how far we'd want it to go in terms of fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, maybe this sounds silly, but like I don't know how much do we want to expose our families to that? And I don't know. There's just a lot more to it. And I guess as I you know I've gotten older, um, thinking about you know that idea that I had then of fame and like wanting people. I mean. I guess behind all of that, it's just like you're you're just a kid who wants attention, right? Right. You want people to like you. You want to be validated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I wasn't a cool kid. You know what I I mean? Right. (laughs) So I wanted to be cool. Movie club. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I was cool within some circles. You know. (laughs) I mean, I was considered a household. (laughs) I mean, we were kind of stars at Newbury Comics, (laughs) so there was that. But, um, I so I I completely agree, and I would say since having kids, I have started to care less and less about getting actual name recognition level success <laughs> in things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and But what's great to me is that it's it's a really, again, liberating feeling because I used to feel like I was a slave to that. Mm. I used to, because just like you, I was always a, a very good student. I was always involved in a lot of things. Uh, I was, You know, people would, would bookmark me as like, he's going to do something yeah, special. He's yeah. going to be a big deal, you know? Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that was in my head. They were saying Patrick, that. Big maybe deal they were, green. Yeah, they were, yeah. coming through, clear the hallway. <laughs> he Here makes he comes. catapults. Yeah, um, singing in the quiet camp. But but people, but, you know, people, people would people believed in me in that capacity. Yeah, and I really internalized I mean, like an that angel. a yeah. lot. <laughs> Can't find a predator. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, when when I got out of grad school, and I did not get into a doctoral program. Yeah, I was for the first time. That was the first time in my whole fucking life. That I was not 
able to do something. Mm. First time. Wow. Which sounds ridiculous. But my whole mentality in my life and to that point was, yeah. was shaped around this idea that I'm an exceptional person and I can do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which was very healthy for a very long time. Yep. And I think that's a very good thing. And uh, and I think that I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to be fueled by that. Yep. But I also was heartbroken. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. When I could not get into a fucking PhD program. Yeah. Um, and I struggled. I had a lot of sleeping issues. I was mm. very anxious a lot of the time. Um, and I, uh, I kept trying every year and I couldn't get anything and I would go for interviews and I would pass the tests and I would be like, this obviously I'm going to get this. And then, yeah. um, they'd be like, we're sorry, we just don't have any positions available. Wow. You know, and, and that happened like four years in a row. Yeah, that's right. Four years of going through $800 in application oh, fees. man. Of going to the, driving there. And the of, emotional stress The emotional of it, stress yeah. of feeling like a complete failure because yeah. my whole last decade of my life yeah. was structured around the idea that if I didn't get the Pulitzer, at least that yeah. I would be a at professor least the somewhere. Pulitzer, I mean, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I would at least be a professor of music composition at a good school. Yeah. And that I could I could have my cake and eat it too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and that so, did not happen. And how do you feel about that? That it didn't happen? Perfect. Now, I, mean, I feel yeah. so happy about yeah. it. Yeah. But it took a very long time to get yeah. there. And it took a complete recalibration of myself. Mm. And it took now this appreciation for the small. Yeah. That I did not have yeah. as a person. And maybe up. you never would have. Maybe I never right? would have. Right. And I would have always been chasing that dragon of getting maybe, fame. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Of getting notoriety. Right. Um, and now I am able to appreciate the smallness of the limitations in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to see the shape of it. Yeah. And I'm able to appreciate it. And I'm able to go to bed at 930 at night on a weeknight <laughs> with the kids there, with Micah there, and think, my life means a lot right now. Yeah. My being here is a big deal mm. for these people, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think now that I feel that in a different, in a deeper way, everything else is just, it's, it's, it's just out there. It's just extra. When, I write, when I'm writing music now, for mm -hmm, example, mm -hmm. I'm not writing it for people to go back to in 200 years and revisit. <laughs> Which I used to do, you know. Yeah, yeah. I used to think Dust I really hope somebody. And, yeah, yeah, I hope somebody it. discovers this someday. Yeah. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm just. I want to get out of my head and my heart what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. Because I think other people might appreciate mm. it, and if they don't even know it was by me, I don't even fucking care anymore. Yeah. But it's an expression of my artistic um, being, you know. Yeah, which I, totally. I want to express. So I I feel like the arc of my life in that way has been really healthy and really powerful, and limitation has. I don't want to say saved my life, but it saved my heart in a mm, lot of ways. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. I knew this would be powerful. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> I did say it up front. Uh, you know, I'm struck by that, too, as uh, connecting back to our conversation about joy and this distinction between happiness being, you know, very much um, based on external factors and joy being internal. And I feel like that is a transition that, you know, not, not all of us make, but I think that as you get older, you hopefully can go through that path of, you know, looking for the external factors that will make you feel a certain way, make you happy mm -hmm. versus this like true inner joy that comes from, uh, you know, largely from relationships that we have and how those play out um, and other factors. I guess it's relationships with others and ourself, you know, it's like better understanding ourself, who we are, what we want in life. Um, and the joy, I think, comes from that inner place where it's uh, it's a lot stronger. It's a lot more enduring, you know? Yes. And I feel like uh, that's the part that, you know, leaning in to limitation can help cultivate that joy because 
the end of the day, we all are limited by, I mean, at the, at the very end, it's the fact that we have, you know, a finite amount of days and time yeah. on this planet. That's the ultimate limitation. And so now I look back and think about the idea of focusing that, all that energy into like being famous, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and think, wow, like what, what would that have led to, you know? There's no happiness there. I mean, well, there's happiness there's there, a way, but there's no joy. You the, know, well, I think, I think that's so, the thing. I think so, exactly. And and it, it can be a really fleeting kind of happiness. Um, and unfortunately, you see so many people who have that kind of fame. Uh, if if nothing else, I'm sure there are studies about this, but it feels to me like there's a higher concentration of unhappy people who are famous than there are happy um, or joy or you know joyous if you think of it that way. But anyway, um, I think when you that's, think about it, if 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 fame or if a less limited life yeah. meant joy. Yeah. Then you would never hear about celebrity suicides or people in rehab or things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is is that's like rampant in, in is, celebrity yeah. culture. Well, and I think the sad truth is, you know, I think a lot of celebrities would say this and understand this in themselves. Um and I, I, I can only say it for myself really, but when I was looking at fame then, it is it is ultimately a desire for people to like you. Yeah. And it's a chasing that and in a way you're never gonna get enough of it. You know, it's like a high that you can get, you know, whether it's going on stage or and like I don't want to position this as a totally unhealthy thing. Like there's there's a healthy factor to it, I'm sure. Right. Like you, you know, having a composition um, played the first time or I mean, there's there's obviously there's tremendous. And it's not like I don't have ambition. Of course. Right. But it's, it's 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 the it's the way that the ambition doesn't shape the rest of my life. That's, that's right. That's what's changed. Yes. You know, definitely. So so turning this to the um, parenting portion, you know, and thinking about raising kids, I think about this a lot, too, in the case of how we raise kids to understand the possibilities, because I, I agree with you that it's important to grow up thinking that almost anything is possible. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, and there is a lot of uh, millennials get a lot of slack on this one, right, of being the generation that was told that they could do anything and right. everybody gets an award and all that. Right. Um, and, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of debate about that stuff. Um, and I think it's fucking great. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, I have mixed I, feelings. I think I think that it's also interesting that a lot of the harsh criticism comes from the very people who have raised this generation. So <laughs> yeah, it's like right, a weird, a good point. you know, there's yeah. a weird dynamic there. Um, but also, I do think that, I don't know, I want my kids to understand that there are limitations too. You know what I mean? And, and limitations in themselves. And while I do feel like that's something that you inevitably you're going to appreciate more later in life and that's when it should happen like you should go into school and you know the experiences you're going to have as a young adult thinking that it's full of possibility Mm -hmm. i totally agree with that but you know what not anything is possible like and maybe it maybe the real problem i have is that um you have to work for it so the possibility is driven is you know it's sort of you are driving that you know and i think i that's something I think about more as my kids get older and trying to articulate, you know, how to learn, how to learn and what to focus on in life. And that it's, it doesn't just come, you know, the right. possibility isn't just there for you to grab necessarily. It's, it takes work. And unfortunately, there's a lot of factors in our world that make it really hard for yeah. you to access those kinds of opportunities. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. I haven't thought about it enough well, with no, my I, young I, well, kids. I, but I, I think that's a really interesting point, And it's something that I honestly haven't considered. Yeah. I honestly haven't because because you know me I'm I'm the the eternal optimist <laughs> right and yeah I, well, I, I mean I, I think I am too yeah but... I think you're like that too and yeah I, I think we kind of live our lives like anything is possible and you're right it's yeah. not yeah something that I do reflect on quite a bit is how how much harder and how much longer the process is 
to achieving dreams than we think it will be mm. as children. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because as a child, I wanted to be a you know um, a paleontologist, and then I wanted to be an astronaut and race yep, car driver yep, and all yep. those various things. Of course, and, and I, we all go through these yeah. these things. Um, and we never stop and think about the reality of how much that would cost and how long it would take. Right. That being said, <laughs> Which you don't want a five year old thinking you don't, about either. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to crap on our kids' childhoods before the world does it for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true, but, but I guess time, what I'm saying is I want to prepare them for the world that will crap on them. Right, I guess that's right. what I'm ultimately and, and how do you at. do that? So yeah, here's, the, yeah. here's the dilemma, which we're not going to be able to have time for in this episode, but yeah. something that I would like to maybe get some listener feedback on. Yeah. Because it took me a while, and this is not my parents' fault, because I'm glad my parents equipped me with a lot of optimism and a lot of sense of um, ability. You yeah, know? yeah. But I don't feel like I was necessarily equipped by them for the reality of life not panning out the way that I expected it to. Yeah, yeah. I don't think most kids are. I don't mm-hmm. think parents really really talk about that very much. Well, I wonder um, – uh, yeah, keep going. You have... But, well, it's something that I, I would like to be able to uh, – because here's the thing. I'll make yeah. it brief. Yeah. Um, if I, I do feel like I'm actually accumulating wisdom for the first time in my life, I really <laughs> You're do. welcome. And I, yeah, I'm putting it right into your ear. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this jo- the joy conversation we had and the limitation conversation that we're having now, I feel like these are two things that I uh, am, for the first time, actually listening to. Yeah. And actually thinking about <laughs> in a real way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm actually to 21 episodes. <laughs> no. I'm glad we got here. But finally. I'm actually thinking of it yeah. in an no, honest way now. I do. Yeah. These would be my own life. Mm hmm. And uh, and I want to transmit that somehow to our kids. And that's the thing. And it's like they're it's so complicated because they also are going through d- different development stages. And you don't want to you got to meet them where they're at, mm-hmm. you know. And so there obviously there are concepts that they want to understand. That's part of it. But also it's like you know there are stages where um, they are in their mind the center of the world, and that's okay. Like that's where they're at. Um, and there are others where you know that might they might start to understand the world more. So that's another factor that I really think about and I want to talk about in another episode, you know, how you are able to convey that, that they're the center of your world, but they're they're actually not the center of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and the other part of it with limitation, I think, is that, uh, let's see, it was connected to something you were just saying. So you were saying how, you know, how do you as a parent equip your kids to understand that it might not paint out the way that you want it to? And I wonder if the, the a flip side of that, it's the same thing, but it's maybe a different spin on it, is that you don't know where the road will take you and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like the acceptance thing that we talked about right. in the other episode. So it's like teaching them that, you know, you can work hard towards a particular goal and at the same time be open to the path that's going to, you know, emerge. That life could, you know, sway you in a very different direction and that could lead to amazing possibilities that you never even expected. Right. You know, I think I feel it feels to me like conveying that aspect to it is really important. Um, maybe not so much of the the world's going to shit on you right, part right. of it, which is like, is a reality, you know? But like, yeah, we're not going to address we're that. We're not going to address right. that. And also I think about this even with like, you know, seeing your kids work or, or your kids work on something and maybe it isn't the best, you know, maybe they didn't mm-hmm. do something correctly or whatever. And so how do you articulate that in a way that's both encouraging but also 
real. You know, you're not lying to them. You're not saying like, yes, that's the best blah I've ever seen, you know? Right, right. Um, I don't know. So those are things I just, I think about. I don't know the answers to, but I feel like there has to be a positive way to frame it. I do feel like no matter what, both of us have time to figure that out. Yeah. Our, our kids are still <laughs> so, so young. It's but, true. We but won't at, fuck at them up too bad At some point, we're going to have to be honest about that. Yeah. And I think that, so here, something that I'm going to go home and practice um and then i think we, we have to revisit this episode um you know after we've gotten some feedback from people on this but something that i want to do more of is very limited play mm-hmm. opportunities so yeah. for example um instead of coloring with the full crayon set you know mm. coloring with two colors yeah and trying to make as many combinations of those colors as possible that's kind of how i feel sometimes about even just when you know we want to do something and play. Um, sometimes I'll ask, like, what do you want to do? And I always, you know, Grace, I think, often has a hard time answering that. Sometimes she'll just know and she'll say, play with Play-Doh or whatever. And there are other times where I just give her a couple of options. Mm-hmm. The other part of this that I think is powerful, maybe we have a whole episode on this, is saying no. You yeah, know, so sometimes right. there are things where it's just like, you know, you can't do it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're not in a place to do it with them. And you say no. And I've found that there are amazing things that happen out of no. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, TV is a classic one, right? Where, like, Grace wants to watch another episode mm-hmm. of something, and I'm like, no. And instead, we do this crazy, you know, other thing that's just a great moment that we have playing some stupid game or whatever. Which in itself is a microcosm for what we're talking about. It which is. is you have a, a dream of what you're going to do, and it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And then and yeah. The, something, you get a, you get a curveball. Yeah. And then it's... it's you're um, so right. Continually modeling a moment, which is yeah. life didn't go the way that I thought it was going, mm-hmm. but life can still be just as exciting as it would have been. And in fact, open up totally new possibilities that are even better. Yeah. You know, so. Which is why, like, when I talk about deflecting, like, you know, like when the kids are misbehaving instead of, you know, yelling at them. Yeah. Trying to deflect that energy a little bit oh, into yeah. something else. Yeah. To me, it's the same. It's the same idea. Right? I think so. Yeah. It's, it's saying that, like, that, that the world is a fluid system. Yeah. And that there's a lot of opportunities for fun that you don't even know about yet. Yeah. And by saying no to something, by putting a limitation on something, yeah. you can see those other things. Right. And discipline, just as that runner was saying, yeah. isn't isn't the act of saying no. It's the act of saying no and. Mm. Right? Yeah. Have you have you heard this thing where it's like I try to think about this a lot at work. Every yes to something is a no to something else. Because mm. you know, often we have a tendency to take on a lot, you know, at least in this workplace. Um we're we're <laughs> oh good people God, and want to help each other out and whatever. So we say <laughs> yes to control. a lot. But I try to remember that that means no to something else, right? The flip side of that, which I'm just thinking about now with no, is that every no to something is yes to something else. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's kinda of interesting exactly. way of thinking about yeah. it. So um there again. It's no I think, and, right? Yeah, yeah. Discipline is not stifling something. Yeah. It is redirecting energy. Mm -hmm. And I think if we look at our our lives like that, if we look at our lives like when we put limitations on our creative processes, we're not shutting down other options. We're opening up possibilities within the options that we have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and I in think, fact, making progress. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it feels like exactly yeah. the directionalization of it is powerful. Otherwise, you do go in this directionless thing where you're just bouncing around. You're not necessarily progressing. We're at the, at that the creative whim of our mood or, and passions. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, that's it. We've done it. Yeah. There, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Problem but solved. But I, I do, as we're signing off here, I do want to say, please you know, write in with some of your limitation yeah. stories to us and with some of the things that you might have done or be planning to do with your kids to uh, help equip them for a world that is not necessarily what they might expect it to be, you know? Yeah. And how you help them to maintain that level of hope and enthusiasm and belief in themselves while knowing that um, 
they might end up uh, having the vicissitudes of a full life and that you, you want to make the most out of it. So Yeah, please do share the feedback. We need your help, people. Yeah, we don't know. Help us raise our kids. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right, guys. See you later.